T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one. Zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to bring me aboard. Permission to come aboard. Welcome to the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's D.A. All right. Welcome inside the freshest edition of the Permission Granted Podcast, everybody. This is the show behind the show and the show within the show. So if you want to learn more about the show... If you're a regular listener to the program, this kind of takes you behind the scenes. Is the PGP the Permission Granted Podcast? How do I get it, DA? Well, go to our Facebook page. It's always there. Facebook.com slash the DA show in very fine video form. Also, it's always available on iTunes. We'll tweet it out always as well. But on iTunes, it's not only on the regular DA show feed, but also maybe by, you know, as you know by now, it's on its own feed, the PGP. So just go to iTunes, search the Permission Granted podcast. You'll see it. Subscribe completely for free. And you'll have dual iTunes feeds of the DA show's wonderful content. Coming up a little bit later on, Jolton Joe D'Aloisio joins Moraz to discuss what's next in the sports calendar. But right now, before Moraz joins me, is our special guest, a guy who's the mind behind some of Hollywood's most successful recent comedies. Writer of Hot Tub Time Machine, We're the Millers. He's directed Sex Drive, Horrible Bosses 2, and Daddy's Home, which is available today on iTunes, available also on Blu-ray, available uh, right now digitally wherever you go. And it's a very, very funny movie. And the Blu-ray combo pack actually has bonus content as well. Sean Anders joining us here on the show. Sean, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. And you got a really good cast when it comes to Daddy So. We know Will Farrell, we know Mark Wahlberg, really funny dudes. And I got to imagine getting those guys together in the same kind of set and area. You just kind of let them spiel, right? And there's something, there's something magical that's going to pop out. Yeah, yeah. The two guys, Mark and Will, genuinely like each other. They genuinely like working together. So anytime we're rolling, they're having a good time and that always translates and finds its way onto the screen. So that's as a director, it's really a treat to have that kind of chemistry between your guys. So for people that don't know the stories that, that Will Farrell comes home to his perfect family trying to be the dad, but it's a stepdad role. And then a biological father comes in and uh, you know, Mark Wahlberg is a little uh, rough around the edges, if you will. And, and the wife, Linda Cardellini is somebody that people might know because she was in Freaks and Geeks, and she's been in a lot of funny comedies as well. Um, and so she's had some really funny roles in Hollywood. And I feel like she's kind of underrated in terms of her kind of nuanced uh, comedic styles. How does she fit into this? Yeah, well, look, <laughs> uh, thanks for bringing that up, because she had really the toughest job in the movie, because she had to kind of balance these two guys and make it believable that as a mother that she was going to kind of put up with this nonsense that was going on. So she had to constantly sort of walk this tightrope, uh, you know, in that role 
to to keep things moving. And if you if you really break down the movie and analyze it, you find that it's really her character that drives a lot of it along. And so getting somebody like Linda to come in and handle that for us was really was wonderful. Yeah, and she's sneaky funny. I mean, you know, she's always has kind of a deadpan role in a lot of places, but it's very kind of smart and uh, and like I said, kind of stem from the freaks and geeks days. So she's. Oh, she might not be, you know, crazy like Will Ferrell, you know, next to him, but she's got a sneaky sense of humor. Absolutely. No, she's very funny. And, and like you said, she has a very smart way of bringing it across. It's always subtle, but it's, it's always grounded and honest. And I think it just makes her funnier and funnier. As a uh, sports radio network, we always latch on to the, to the big sports that are going on in each uh, area. And you grew up just outside of Madison, Wisconsin. So obviously huge badger country when you're growing up is there just like bucky badger flags everywhere you look yeah even more than you would think yeah it's it's, it's everywhere <laughs> and uh it's funny i just put on my kids my kids and my wife are just fly, are flying back to wisconsin right now as we speak and so i have uh three kids that are all backed out in badger gear heading back to wisconsin right now <laughs> all right so they're getting ready for the sweet 16 huh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're uh, yeah. They they've been just wearing their stuff all the time, and it's funny because they've really only been to Wisconsin a couple of times. We live in California now, but yeah, they're all, they're all decked out in their gear. Can you get a good cheese curd anywhere in Hollywood? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna answer that. Part. No, you probably can. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't. I don't because it's one of those things that when you're from Wisconsin, people are constantly sending you cheddar cheese and cheese curds and whatnot so we're we're always stocked <laughs> yeah that's a tremendous way to stay healthy when you're in the middle of like uh paleo diets and uh all this wonderful healthy stuff in southern california and then people just sending you cheese curds in the mail yeah yeah <laughs> keeps us grounded yeah heavy. Right, right. So you've also directed and written a couple of uh, comedic uh, sequels, including Horrible Bosses 2. And I wonder, you know, when you're trying to develop sequels like Dumb and Dumber as well, um, Dumb and Dumber 2, I wonder how you have to kind of approach something like that because they're tough. They're tough things to to get right. And um, when you're trying to write or direct a sequel to something that was iconic, how do you go into that process? Well, you know, I've done it two times, and they were both times were very different. In the case of Dumb and Dumber 2, my writing partner and I were involved at the very beginning of the process, but not really at the end of the process. So that was one where we, you know, got together with the Fairley Brothers. We're obviously huge fans of the original movie, and it was daunting in that way, but it was also really fun in that way. And that movie, you know, evolved and changed a lot from, from where we started with it. But it was still, you know, the thrill of a lifetime to see Harry and Lloyd deliver dialogue that you had written and, and to get a big laugh in the theater off of it was, you know, I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> that was definitely one of the, yeah. the high points of my life. And and then, you know, with something like, like Horrible Bosses, too, where we were actually writing and directing on that, I'd say, you know, the main focus on that was because the original Horrible Bosses had you know, what sort of feels like kind of a one-off premise, the premise of guys trying to kill their bosses. Uh, when we went into the sequel, we just, our, our main uh, sort of demand walking into it was we're not going to make a movie where these guys are going to kill three more bosses. We're just not going to do that. And fortunately, that's not what anybody wanted to do. So it was fun to take those characters and just put them on a new adventure and just give them a different crime to deal with and try to 
just to try to break new ground and not have it be, you know, or just a rehash of the first movie. The two guys that you worked with at Daddy's Home, as we at Daddy's Home, as we mentioned, Will Ferrell and, and Mark Wahlberg, have such different personalities. I mean, we know Will Ferrell from these kind of zany moments uh, on SNL and throughout his uh, comedic career, and then we look at Mark Wahlberg, who has this persona of tough guy that you don't want to upset, but we know that he can be really funny too, and kind of doesn't take himself as seriously as maybe um, his persona suggests. So. How do you have to work with those two very distinct, different comedic personalities when you write and produce and direct something like Daddy's Home? Well, honestly, those guys really make it easy. They really make it easy because, like you said, Mark, you know, despite what his persona might be in in action movies, um, Mark is a really easygoing guy, and he's a guy who, who doesn't take himself crazy seriously. Uh, and who enjoys doing comedy, but isn't somebody who's bending over backwards to make you laugh. He, so what I love about that is that when, when Mark is funny, he's funny in a really sincere and honest way that, that to me makes him funnier than a lot of guys that are just trying really hard to be funny, you know? And then you have somebody like Will who can kind of do it all. You've seen him do like the, you know, the craziest things in Step Brothers, and then you see these these other turns that he's taken on things like everything must go. And, uh, and, um, you know, anyway, you put these two guys together who come from completely diff- different, uh, tones. And that's, I think when you're going to get the best chemistry, I think anytime you put two guys together that do the same thing, it's just not going to be, it's just not going to have the right flavor, but Mark and Will together, I think you're going to be seeing more of that in the future. <laughs> Yeah. Finally, I wanted to ask you about Will Ferrell's kind of ad lib ability because it feels like so much of his stuff is ad libbed. I'm sure some of it is not. I'm sure a lot of it is not when it, when you see him on late night talk shows or just in in smaller stuff. But even on set where you have a script and you have lines to deliver, do you just let him riff and see if something even better than the script comes out of it? Yeah, you do, because Will's the kind of guy where when he's riffing, he's always riffing on character, on scene. He's never just he's never just going bananas just to get whatever laugh he can get. So you feel really comfortable just letting him go. And also, I mean, I'm telling you, you've never seen anything like him as far as somebody who just can uh, you give him any topic, anything to run with. Will can just find the absurdity find the you know the flavor in it he just he just has a voice and and a brain for that that that's like nothing i've ever seen even when you're just in a room with him talking about ideas the ideas that will come out of that man's mouth are just are are genius you can download right now daddy's home it's available itunes it's available on amazon it's available on blu-ray it's everywhere you want to get it it's been nominated for a couple of Kids' Choice Awards as well, which is cool. And uh, it's available right now. Real funny movie between um, with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Sean Anders, writer and producer of some of the great comedies recently in Hollywood, joining us here on the show. Well, Sean, thanks so much for taking out the time, and uh, we appreciate it. Maybe we'll do it again. Hopefully uh, your, your Badgers keep dancing into the, uh, the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we hope so. We hope so. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks to Sean Anders for joining us, and uh, Mraz joins uh, joins in now. Mraz, you've been limping around the last 48 hours, <laughs> suffering yet another flag football injury. Yeah, I, I really don't know what the injury is, um, but I seem to have strained, I would assume, the calf muscle in okay. my right calf, 
And uh, I had a game Sunday morning. Don't know what happened. I was fine all day Sunday. Woke up Monday, and I'm in some serious pain here. But it would have had to happen during the game. I would assume. Now, we moved up a division in football. Uh, it's a little more physical. Playing a lot of guys who seem to be on steroids. Oh, And, um, yeah, I, I think uh, me on my pot belly belly... Probably not as fit to be playing in this division, and I really got knocked around on Sunday. The Buddha bellies weighing you down in this division? I, I mean, listen, I, I played a little D-line. I was a run stuffer out there. Yeah. That being said, it's a little quicker game. You're an Indomitian um, Sioux type guy? Yeah, I was smalling up some blocks. Now, I don't know the moment, but I'm assuming I got rolled up on a couple times. And something's going on here. I'm hoping it's not a tear because I can't have myself down for the season. Well, you would know if it's a tear, wouldn't you? I mean, I don't know. I'm dragging my leg here. It's not a good scene. Um, why'd you guys move up in division? This is the flag football team that yes. I played on last year. Uh, I, I've pulled myself out of this season. Yes. Uh, I, I was the Charles Woodson last the year. The Charles Woodson. I would say we moved up a division because, uh, we've upgraded in talent. We absolutely have. And we combined, uh, well, we took like six guys from a team that was playing in the upper division because their team fell apart. And uh, this seemed like the logical thing to do. We're taking some of these players. We felt we were ready for the task, but we went out there and lost 28 nothing in the opener. Maybe it would have been smart to stay at the same level but add the talent? That would have been smart. However, I had a lot of people saying, no, 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 you know, a lot of cockiness, a lot of oh. arrogance. We need to be playing at this level. But again, we lost 28 nothing, and I'm limping around like a goose. So let me take you back to my, uh, my athletic glory years. Oh, boy. I started playing baseball when I was five and t-ball. My dad and my uncle Johnny were the coach. Okay, my cousin Greg, we all I played on the same team as him. We Boy, were, that's a lot of family favoritism going on on that team. Yeah, and then uh, I don't know if it ever affected the outcome of the Whalers games. We were the Whalers. The Whale. So you guys didn't go with like regular baseball team names? Not in, not at that level. No, not at T-ball. But then once you got into instructional league, the next year, um, I guess we went to the regular Major League Baseball teams. Right. So then I played T-ball maybe two years, and then I took two years off, and then I came back for the minors, and we were on the I was on, <laughs> I was on the Padres. Okay. Oh, okay. So uh, that was my best athletic year ever. Actually, um, in high school or junior high, maybe eighth grade or ninth grade, I I played travel soccer. I was on the all star team um, as a goalie. So that was probably my highest achievement, right, athletically. But in they uh, stuck you in net, huh? Yeah, I was really good. I was I'm, I got really good hands. You wouldn't probably know it from last year playing um, playing flag football, but I got really good hands. So <laughs> nice soft pause. <laughs> so uh, could you wave your hand because that light just went off? Yeah, there you go. That's there we easier. go. It's a motion on, sensor in here. You're on the other side of the glass, and uh, do you feel like you're just talking to darkness? Yeah, it's very odd. Darkness is your very ally. Odd. So. I skipped two years, then I came back for instructional, or minors rather, and I played second base, started at second, and we won the championship that year, and I was the starting second baseman, leadoff hitter, I was always a scrappy, get-on-base guy, could steal bases, very good fielder. I think I've made this show before, David Eckstein. A very right? David Eckstein, yeah, and and I really, they didn't have an all-star team that year, but I would have made it, and that was, and I, you know, I hit like 400, and we won the championship. Well, he hit 400. That was my first year back playing baseball. Why take the years off in between? I guess I wasn't, well, I guess I wasn't thrilled with baseball. T-ball was pretty boring. And maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe my dad was like Todd Marinovich's dad. He just, <laughs> 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 you met my dad. That He's definitely not that type of guy. Right. But, but at that time, who knows? Who knows? So... I so my cousin Greg, who is a much better athlete than me, he ended up going to Boston University on a full diving scholarship. He was our state champion in New York State, nineteen ninety six. Wow. 
State diver. Yeah, he's awesome. Great athlete. And then one of the other guys on our team, um, they they moved up to the next level because our age group suggested you you could, but I had the option to stay back one year. And there that was like the group of people my age that were born later in the school year. I was born mm. in June. That was like the September, October, November baby. So you could be the veteran of the younger group. Yeah. And I was like, no, I had a great season. I think I'm ready to go up oh. to majors. And so I got drafted by the Warwick Red Sox. Okay. So, um, and it was a struggle. I played two years in majors and I was not ready for that jump. And my dad even said, you know what? You might want to just stay in minors right now. Get one more year. I was like, oh, my friends are gone. My cousin's gone. I'm good. I mean, why not? And they stuck me in right field or left field every game. I always played only three You're innings. a system guy. You need to be a second baseman. <laughs> the Warwick Red Sox didn't realize your strengths. It was the wrong system fit for you. I But I couldn't get around on the fastball at 11 either. At 10, yeah. At 11 or 12, couldn't do it. A couple miles an hour. Yeah, you know what? You needed more seasoning there. And so you, they, didn't, you were a bust. I bet you the Red Sox fans hated you. Maybe so. I'm sure the Red Sox coaches did. At least you weren't as fat as Pablo. <laughs> so, yeah, they got all over me in the Boston media. So <laughs> I couldn't get around on the fastball at all, and that's when I realized I can't play baseball anymore because I just cannot catch up with this. And they started tinkering with my swing where I would I would be all the way back like Timmy Tuffle. Like oh, I would start, little Chuck Knobloch maybe? Yeah, yeah, starting all the way back so I only had to come forward. But it was it was rough going. I played that for two years, and that got that bounced me out of majors. That bounced me out of organized baseball. So I feel like the young guns could be going through the same thing. Right I now. believe me, the opener. I felt that because I was screaming from the mountaintops. This was a dumb idea. Why did we move up? But that could happen. I totally understand that. Are you the GM of this year too? Yes, I still am. So again, I wanted to make everybody happy. Everybody, you know, bunch of egos. Ah, oh, we're too good to be playing down here. By the way, not like we're coming off a Super Bowl championship in the younger division either. Bunch well, of idiots. I played last spring with you guys, so this would be one year. Right. I can't believe it's already been one so year. So three seasons because there was a fall season later. Right. So then I didn't make the fall season because you guys played on Sunday and I played, or I did the Sunday, Sunday morning football. Sunday morning football. But then, yeah, the commute going out to Long Island, I wish you guys played closer because I could really get into still playing. I don't know what my role would be, especially at a, a level up. I feel like I would just be a warm body at this point. But Believe me, after Sunday, we need them. I mean, yeah, it feels like if you guys are getting smacked around 28 nothing, I might actually get some burn. Things spiraled out of control. I feel like the Jaguars were really just trying to build. Got but some good receivers. A year ago in the spring league, we got obliterated in the exhibition game. And then we weren't nearly that bad afterwards, so is that possible? Well, see, here's the roles reversed now. We played that same team we got obliterated by in the exhibition in this exhibition, and we beat them. Oh. This team beat that team that obliterated us just 12 months ago. Okay. But now we got obliterated in the regular (laughs) season, so I think there's a reverse jinx. I would have rather got killed in the preseason and then got on a nice little run. But maybe it was just one week. It was also about 30 degrees out Sunday for spring league. That's tough. Which was brutal. Everybody had, like, winter hats on. I couldn't get in a groove. I know that. I had like a sweatshirt on under my jersey. I don't like that. I'm a warm weather player. Yeah. So maybe that's why I pulled a muscle here. I, I don't know. I let's We'll see what happens. We Luckily, we get the bye week because of Easter to regroup here. <laughs> I love that you're like a Latin American baseball player. You do not want to play in April. You're no. You're a warm weather guy. <laughs> no, absolutely. My batting average will go up come Memorial Day. Right, right. <laughs> like Vladimir Guerrero, as the weather gets better, you get better. Exactly. I, I hate the cold weather. That's not for me. Well... I heard that Adam Gracia's plan on this team, Noodles, a.k.a. the former producer of um, 
Mojo and then associate of the Doug Gottlieb yeah, show. Yeah, I'm trying to piece together his career here at CBS Sports Radio. He has quite the career here. Now he is the producer of the Chris Mannix show on NBC Sports Radio. Right. Originally, he was the producer of the Mojo show. Then he became an associate producer on the Gottlieb show. Now he's got back to executive producing range for the Mannix show. Yeah, quite the arc. Uh, and But... He actually played collegiate soccer in Division Three and was very good. He's a real good athlete. Yeah. Real good. I mean, weighs about 110 pounds soaking wet, but he can run. Probably our fastest player, by the way, wasn't there for the opener. Uh, was back home in his hometown in Maryland. So we could have used him. Now, he is kind of like, you know why I like hockey? I know I'm not the biggest hockey fan. You're a much bigger puckhead than I. Boy, we're tying everything in here on this crossover. I really like hockey because I love that it allows the really small, undersized players to have a role, right? That, yes. that really speedy, fast guy like a Theo Fleury has a role and can be great. Who's the guy on the Flames now who's like a pint-sized little uh, scorer from Boston College? I just read about him in Sports Illustrated. You're actually stumping me right now. He, um, he's become like the toast of the town, and uh, I love it. Like he's 5'7 or something. It's not Monaghan, is it? Uh, no, but um, he, he's got like a French name. Boy, I got to be honest. I'm a puckhead, but the Calgary Flames have not been on my mind that much this year. Yeah, I don't blame you. Well, let's see. This is what the podcast is for. All right. Look up the Calgary Flames. Small French guy. Yeah. Um, So on that point, you know, I feel like you can't be a star at – in the NFL, if you're that small, like you could be Bryant Westbrook, I guess, or Darren Sproles, but they're not stars. No. And there's very few of them. Like you got Danny Woodhead. Darren Sproles, and that's about it. If you're under 5'7", you don't have a job. Yeah, Doug Flutie was laughed at because of that. Right, and maybe quarterback's different. but um, We're not talking about Johnny Goudreau, are we? Yeah, Johnny Goudreau, Johnny, Johnny I Hockey. Got, I should have got that. That's Johnny a bad Hockey. job by me. So, And he's he's like a star, right? Yeah, he's a stud. Absolute stud. I don't know why I messed that up. I think You know what the problem is? I get the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames mm. all confused out mm-hmm. there. They're one team to me. So I like how in um, in hockey, in soccer, you can have these guys like Nate Robinson, Bud Webb, kind of more novelty acts. Mugsy Bogues. Yeah, novelty acts. But, yeah. Uh, in hockey, they can they can star. So that's why Gracia, you know, it's cool that on the football field, he's actually becoming, uh, he's getting back to his roots as a star athlete. Exactly. And you know what? You can only do that on the flag football field because you yeah. put the pads on him, he can get run over. But on the flag football field, no flags can use his speed and really be a factor. He's a shutdown corner in this league now. Is he 5'7"? On a good day. He yeah. might be a 5'6". He might be 5'6 half. But he used the speed. Could run with the fastest receiver on the field. Put him out there. Lockdown corner, I'm telling you. And kind of intense. Gets very intense. He yeah. made a leaping interception in the preseason that um, Chris Berman is still talking about on LIFFL <laughs> primetime. That's Berman's offseason gig, I assume. Hopefully that'll be his full-time gig here. Uh, Back to the Berman hating. I mean, geez. I I grew up really loving Chris Berman, but at some point, like in the late 90s, the act became tired. Maybe it was the dyed hair he's going with. And now it's the mid-20-teens. And you've had it. How are we going to call this decade? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's 2016. I would say we're 15 good years now past when Berman was palatable. Rumbling, bumbling, stumbling. (laughs) (laughs) The Raiders. I love how he parachutes in for the home run derby, but it's nowhere to be found at any other point during the baseball season. (laughs) Yeah, Or he does like the play-by-play of one Monday night football game a year with Uh, Dilfer. Yeah, yeah, like the second... We're gonna we're gonna take you to the Chargers and Texans tonight. Yeah, it's always like Chargers Raiders, right? Oh. Raiders Texans. He does it with Delfer, and it's a disaster. Totally, but it's at ten thirty at night, so nobody in the East Coast realized he did That's the right. game. 
All right, so you got Jolton Joe coming up here. Yeah, Jolton Joe. We're going to break down a little bit of the tournament, and we're going to look ahead to what the next sporting event we're going to be pumped up for is here on That's the calendar. That's a tease here on the Permission Granted podcast. All right, welcome to Side B of the Permission Granted podcast. Our first Side B in, I guess, a couple of weeks, because last week we did the full bracketology breakdown. So insert Joe D'Aluizio here. We haven't heard from Joe on the Permission Granted podcast in a while. Joe. What's shaking? Wow, I am very glad to be back. It's been so long, I can't even remember the last time I was on this podcast. And that's probably a good thing for our listeners. So, uh, a couple things we got to break down here. Um, boy, this microphone I have keeps crashing down. You just break everything, why don't you? The tournament in full swing, and we did the full uh, bracket breakdown last week. What was an insane weekend for the NCAA tournament. And now we kind of hit... The weekend in the NCAA tournament that really tells whether you're into the college basketball or not, and that's the Sweet 16. Joe, are you revved up for Sweet 16 weekend? Are you kind of tournamented out and catch you in the Final Four next week? No, I'm all in. Uh, since the uh, first day of the tournament last week, now um, I'm looking forward to the next round. Usually it's, it's you know, once you start from the beginning, what the hell's going on? My microphone literally just keeps crap. Okay. We're in a different studio than we normally record in, and I, I'm not liking the mic situation here. But go on, Joe. So as I was saying before I was rudely interrupted by your mic, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. Uh, I've been watching ev- almost every game since the uh, tip of the tournament because it happened, you know, it started on my days off. So I, right. I was all in St. Paddy's Day. I spent in front of a, uh, three TVs, a couple beverages, and NCAA tournament time. So I'm all in. It's really a great event. It really was a great weekend. Uh, particularly, I, I, my favorite part of the whole weekend was actually Friday night when I got home uh, as we approached midnight Eastern. The crazy, I mean, Notre Dame-Michigan, great game. Gets down to a great ending. Then you have the Northern Iowa buzzer beater. Then followed by Cincinnati with what they thought was a buzzer beating dunk. Not to be. I thought that was a really great moment. And then obviously Sunday night you get to the Texas A&M comeback on Northern Iowa as Northern Iowa collapses. There were great moments, but I got to be honest— I, I got to see myself and my feeling on Thursday because there was a part of me when I woke up Monday morning and I turn on my radio and I hear a little talk. I was very tournamented out. I really was. And I was into it all weekend. Maybe it was just too much at me there. Too mu- It was almost like too much excitement happened in this year's tournament in the first weekend. I'm embarrassed to admit that I actually fell asleep on Friday and missed the action. Did you? Re- I fell asleep before right after the midnight. Show? Yeah, right after the show, I went home and I knocked out. I thought that was like the best 10 minutes all weekend of the tournament. Yeah, I woke up the next day and I was like, wow, did I miss some great action. I made it to about halftime to all, all three games and then I just knocked out. So I am embarrassed to admit maybe that. You, maybe you were tournamented out at that no, point. No, I don't think it was that. I mean, I was just exhausted. But I, I can understand why it's getting a little exhausting at this point because it's all we're seeing on TV. It's all we're talking about. And now, you know, other things are happening and we're not focused on that. Everything's about the tournament here. Well, and I, and I agree. And I think the other part of this is your brackets, right? So everybody, and I think um, actually John Kincaid brought this up filling in for DA. Nobody cares who you had in your final four or your bracket. You know, nobody cares that your bracket got busted. But ultimately, let's face it. Because of the craziest this weekend, a lot of people's brackets were busted. I mean, I know I had Michigan State winning it all. I know DA had Michigan State winning it all. I also had Michigan State okay. winning it all. There you go. And I actually had Cal in the Final Four, so I lost two of my Final Four teams. I had Kentucky, who I lost. Okay, so, so this happened. So now you, if you get to the Sweet 16 and half your Final Four is gone, your national champion's gone, your betting interest, for the most part, is now gone. So you, as a sports fan, the Final Four is great. You get into those two games in the national championship on Monday. But what I mean is now a lot of those casual 
college hoops fans that parachute in for the tournament because it's awesome those first four days. This is a weekend where they're kind of like, you know, they could take it or leave it. You know what I mean? I don't think as much juice, even though this should be a really good Sweet 16, will be there. Uh, almost like the craziest of the tournament has actually hurt the Sweet 16 in a weird way. Yeah, I think anybody whose teams are out and are, you know, just follow the uh, tournament just because of their bracket, they're done. They're not into it. But I think other people who enjoy the quality of the game that we've been seeing all March, they're going to still be in it. For my for my sake, I know that the second Middle Tennessee State upset Michigan State, I wanted complete chaos the rest of the, bra- the, rest of the well. way because I, I didn't care at that point, you know. The one rooting, you know, hopefully my other teams would come through, but I had Michigan State winning it all at that point. I hope that a one seed would get upset. I hope that everyone would get upset at that point and and see something, you know, see some uh, history. Now let me ask you this, okay? We have March Madness here, which has two weeks. Let's be honest, two weeks left in it. What is the next sporting event you're jacked up for after March Madness ends? I think this is probably one of the first years in a while that I'm really jacked up about baseball. And I'm not a baseball guy. Yeah, I mean, the Mets had a great year last year, and I'm excited for what's going to be another uh, solid year. See, opening day, kind of like the beginning of the NCAA tournament. I kind of relate that. I think there's a lot of juice for opening day. It's it's something about sunshine being back and all that you get really pumped up for. But there are a lot of times in baseball season, I get to June, July, and I'm like, we got to hurry this thing along it's, here. It's a long season. It's a very long season. But when that season starts, you know, good, better things are coming down the road. You know, summer's here. We'll be at, on the beach soon. No so doubt. There's a lot to look forward to once that season starts. For me, i got to be honest, I am absolutely, positively fired up for the NFL draft. I really am. Anything NFL gets me going, so... I'm with you on that Something one. about, you know what? And we've made a lot of the Kenny jokes here on the show. Obviously, we fought about it. Kenny Brock was a big college football fan and very much into the draft. And I always was into the draft as an NFL fan. But for the last four years more so, I've gotten so much more into the draft. I'm so much more in touch with these college players. I watch a lot more, a lot more college football the last five years than I ever had in my life. I'm pumped up for the draft, man. And you're going to be seeing a lot of these draft guests, uh, potential draft picks coming up on the DA show in the next five weeks leading up to the draft. I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, you know, put the pedal to the pavement and get these guys on Trying it. to do your job. Right. I know Scooby Wright will be on this week, a potential first-round pick. Great name. Yes. Oh, Scooby-Doo-Doo. Great name. Could possibly be the best name in the NFL once he's drafted. Could we get your Scooby-Doo-Doo? Scooby-Doo-Doo. That's a good, see, I think that's better than your Jackrabbit sound. Give me the Scooby-Doo-Doo again. Scooby-Doo-Doo. See, mine would be Scooby-Doo-Doo. Not bad. Not bad. Let me hear your Jackrabbit, though. Your jackrabbit's always eating something, though. Well, I'm always eating something. Nah, fair point. You know, I, the jackrabbit thing, I ended up thinking was very funny. It was a good epic fail. I thought it was good, too. Uh, a lot of good reaction uh, via Twitter. Sad to see the jackrabbits go. I was really tournament. I was really pulling for the jackrabbits. <laughs> what? Jeez. What is the one thing you're looking forward to? I mean, obviously, you're a Packer fan. Is uh, Are you interested in where the quarterbacks go in the NFL draft? What? No, I, I mean when it comes to the draft, I'm. Uh, do you only see? Do you only care about the Packers doing the draft? Because I find the whole landscape of it. Now I'm interested. I'm interested. I'm fascinated in what other teams do. I really hone in on the Packers just because of the fact that free agency comes and Green Bay does absolutely nothing. Right. So this is their chance. So th- to th- this somebody. is their chance where you know I I get to ex- you know they make their picks and I get to examine a little further and how these prospects may grow with this team. But I am interested in seeing. I'm hearing a lot about Ezekiel Elliott. A lot about the running backs going. I was going to ask you about early. Zeke. 
Here's a running back that's potentially now going to go in the top 10. And, I mean, when's the last time a running back went in the top 10? Trent Richardson? Is that is that fair or no? Who, yeah, I'm trying to think of where Doug Martin went. You know, it just doesn't happen anymore. Right. And it's just such a, a big risk where you could get these running backs in the second, third, fourth round. So I'm really interested in seeing where he goes and how he progresses in See, the NFL. I'm totally – I was going to ask you about Ezekiel Elliott. as a guy who went to Ohio State, visited, checked him out down there. Zeke, I think, is a great talent, and I see a lot of people around my Giants having them in a mock draft taking Ezekiel Elliott, which the Giants have so many holes. I would be so against that pick. I'd want Jerry Reese fired immediately. The fact of the matter is Ezekiel Elliott might be the next Barry Sanders. Even if he is the next Barry Sanders, you can't take him in the top 15. Running backs are so devalued now. You know what I mean? I think there's, and I mean. And when was the last great running back to win a Super Bowl? You just don't build your team that way anymore. No, I mean, the. The league has transformed. It's a passing league. As long as you have that defense and that star quarterback, you're good. You could get away right. with a mediocre running back. Everybody brings up Adrian Peterson. Yeah, the Vikings have made the playoffs. They haven't gone on any deep runs with Adrian Peterson. You just, it just doesn't happen anymore. So you can get a Devontae Booker, let's say, in the third round. You know, even a Derrick Henry in the second round. You can't do that high up in the first round. You just can't. And, and another thing that I'm— do you, do, you, do you look at the Rams as a legit contender this year with Todd Gurley? I don't. No, absolutely not, and I think it's foolish that just yesterday we hear that Case Keenum is named oh. the starter. I mean, there is absolutely no reason to come out and name him the starting quarterback, not to mention you're moving to L.A. and he's the face of the franchise. I'll tell you what. I, I'll tell you exactly what this is. Number one, if they end up with an RG3 or somebody like that, it lowers the price on a guy like that for them because they've already basically named Case Keenum. Number two, make sure Keenum's focused in right now because you might need him to lead the way because I think— Undoubtedly, what's going to happen, they're going to take a quarterback in the first round. Okay, Goff and Wentz may be gone by the time they pick uh, because they, I believe they traded their first round pick, didn't they? They flopped with the uh, with the Eagle? I could be wrong. I'm not sure, but I think they're at 14 or 15. Okay, you know what? The Dolphins traded with the Eagles. I'm an idiot, right? The Eagles traded with somebody to get up to eight. I'm not too sure. Regardless, I'm a moron. But bottom line is this. Paxton Lynch will probably be somebody like that. The Rams are going to draft a quarterback, you would think. And that guy maybe not start right away, and Keenum is a starter, but Case Keenum's not going to be a long-term starter. You need some kind of buzz there if you're the Rams going into L.A. Case Keenum's not it. Oh, no buzz whatsoever. I mean, that wouldn't drive me to L.A. to watch the Rams. I'll no, tell you that much. not at all. Not going to fill up the Coliseum. But there we go. Hey, Joe, listen. This side B just flew by here. Somehow we did it. Talk we, always, little, we always seem to make it happen. Talk Mraz. a little basketball, give us a little Scooby-Doo sound, and uh, talk a little NFL draft, and away you go. Thanks for listening to Permission Granted Podcast. You can follow Joe D on Twitter. At Joe D CBS. You can follow me at Twitter and Instagram at Mraz CBS. If you like pictures of Pomeranians, I'm your Instagram follow. Have a great, great week, everybody. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.